0: Back to Diamond Talk. We're talking World Series, and you know, just like we all expected, right? Diamondbacks and Rangers. Now I'm here. I'm here with Robin Nick. How are you guys doing?
1: Yo, what's going on, guys? I'm I'm doing good. Yeah, man. Just like we all expected, we all don't know anything about baseball. We shouldn't be recording anything talking about baseball at all. After we all predicted Phillies. And the D-backs are still on their Cinderella run, but we're here to talk about it. I'm
2: loving this, man. I'm wearing my Phillies vacation shirt, so we're on vacation with the Phillies like nobody expected, including Mad Dog Russo, who apparently needs to retire. Uh, but this is what baseball is all about, man. The unexpected. You can't predict this game no matter how hard you try. If you could, there'd be really, really rich people who are way smarter than us running MLB franchises.
0: Man, you know, actually, I, I love what's happening with the game because I think it has less to do with people not knowing and more to do with, there's so many players are on each other's level more than ever before, where I think before we used to have a, a larger gap in, in talent and, and, what, and what players could do, and now we're a lot closer. I mean, look, the, the, the person kind of leading this whole thing, we have a 22-year-old in Corbin Carroll, who traditionally 22-year-olds it take some time, right? And then on the other end, we have someone who's been developing over time, who I don't think we consider a superstar at all. Like, honestly, he's probably one of the guys we talked about the least this season. And Dallas Garcia, who out of nowhere came out of here looking like, uh, what's that What's that line by Albert Ibra? Like, Dominican Superman. Like, it's just insane. He's, he's crushing it right now. Um, but, you know, before we get to that fun stuff, we got to kind of go around, uh, give you some updates on what, what's happening around the league. First thing, this is a big one, man. This happened literally the day of Game 7. Like, as Game 7 was happening, these reports were coming out, which I think was insane. But the day of Game 7, rumors were coming out saying, uh, Dusty Baker's friends are saying that this is going to be his last season. This is before, you know, Game 7 isn't isn't played, you're hearing rumors around Twitter, uh, that Dusty Baker was retiring, this is going to be his last year. Obviously, we're going to talk about about it, but the, the Rangers beat the Astros, and... That pretty much made Dusty Baker a retired man, and Dusty has been around the game for a very, very, very long time, where he's probably seen at least 80% of this game's history. Uh, I don't know if that number is accurate or not. But hey, man, what what did you guys think when you you heard the news of Dusty Baker stepping away?
1: Yeah, man, it's it's one of those, um, it's one of those, not necessarily like it's about time, um, because I think I think Dusty definitely had the right to go out on hit on his own time. Um, because he's honestly been one of the most successful managers that we've been able to see, even if it took him a while to to win a World Series as a manager, right? He goes out as a two time champion. He did win um as a player as well. Um, so two time champion now. Um finally gets his title as a manager. And like I said, a lot of success, you know, wherever, wherever his stops were, where whether it was with the Giants, Cubs, you know, Reds, Nationals, Astros, like. A lot of those teams ended up going to the postseason, right? Like it, it took them until the Astros to finally be able to lock that World Series title down. But a lot of those teams ended up having postseason runs, um, and that's kind of what you want on a manager from a from a year year to year basis. So I think overall, Dusty performed to a, a level about as well as you would want for a manager. Definitely a, a guy who's deserving of a Hall of Fame induction when it comes, um, because it definitely should be be coming on his way. And I think you know one of the most important things too that stands out is remember when we talked about his hiring I think it was a very important hiring to change the perception of the Houston Astros I think that goes very underrated at the fact that we all sit here today and a lot of us you know can acknowledge the situation back in 2017 right like the Astros still cheated but I would say in the general sense the conversation around the Astros has gotten a lot better recently, right? Like, like people have gotten a lot more accepting of the fact that they have a lot of good talent on their team and they might, you know, just be on this dynastic type of run. I think towards the end of that, we have to credit Dusty for kind of coming in and being that, you know, um, if this were wrestling, like that face, like that good guy to come in and, and kind of serve as the as the manager to take over of this team that kind of had a negative perception for a while. Um, So, yeah, you know, tip of the cap to Dusty. It's been a great career and, and a guy that's definitely going to be missed in the game of baseball.
2: Yeah, this was surprising. I was not expecting him to retire after this year, but, you know, <clears throat> Dusty has always been good about keeping stuff in house. So it makes sense that there were a lot of people knowing about it before, you know, the general public. Uh, to be honest, it's a sad day for baseball. Dusty is one of the guys that you want in the game on so many levels. When you hear former players talking about him, the way they took care of him, you know, new guys getting acclimated to MLB, older guys getting the heads up on their days off when they're on road trips so they can plan and really relax. And, and you know, an, an off day isn't an off day if you find about it the day of. Like, it's still you're going the night before you're going into getting ready. You're still getting your body hyped. You're still getting your mind right for the next game. And it's a grind. And Dusty recognized that with his players, especially the older ones, and especially on the road would let him know, like, hey, you're going to have tomorrow off. So you go ahead and do what you got to do to just relax, disengage, and get rested for the rest of the series or whatever it may be. And he just had a special connection with his players. And every time you get a manager that's been around for so long, has over 2,000 wins, has World Series titles, has all these players talking about him, it's because of those special connections that you can make with players, whether it be superstars or rookies, the underperformer or the overachiever. He can connect with every single person that walks through his clubhouse on a level that gets him to be able to be around for 26 years. You know, you hear the stories of these guys because they have that ability. And he had it in spades with every single player that you hear talk about him. There's not a single player that talks poorly about him, no matter what they went through together. And, you know, it's going to be a sad day for baseball. He might be the one that we don't see come back. You know, he might be one of those managers that really is. I'm done with the game. I've put my life and soul into this game. And it's really time for me to join my family. And if he is, you know, one thing that's really sad is this year there was supposed to be a vote where you could get into the Hall of Fame as a baseball player without a three or without as a manager without a three year wait. And it happened before this season. So since he retired at the end of the season, we may have to wait three years to see Dusty in the Hall of Fame as a manager when he really should be put in right away. I mean, the, man, the thing that this man has done throughout his entire career, both as a player, because he was a good player as well, not a Hall of Fame player, but as a baseball person, this guy's first ballot Hall of Famer over many, many others that have ever passed through this game, whether it be player, manager, coach, whatever it may be. Um, but it's going to be weird not seeing Dusty Baker you know, in a dugout in on a major league during a major league season for the first time in 26 years and he's been a part of some really good franchise and some really good runs you know he always finds himself in the postseason it seems like and you know it's just it really really is going to be a time where baseball is going to lose a great a great person in the game and then going forward for the astros we've talked about it many times he was the right guy for the astros he was the baseball mind that could connect with these players who went through some shit Dusty is a strong person, a strong manager to run this team, and they got it. I mean, they went to the World Series. He got his title. And very few times you actually see a manager fit into a place that you think is going to work out right, and then it actually happened. So we got to see some magic from with Dusty Baker lots of times, whether it's Giants, Reds, or Astros. Um, but not a good day for baseball, but congrats to Dusty because you had a what wonderful career both as a player and manager, and you deserve all the relaxation that you're ready for.
0: So what what are you guys gonna remember Dusty Baker for? Cause for me, I have it as you know when I think Dusty Baker, the first image that goes into my mind is those Cubs teams that he managed with Derek Lee and uh you know Felipe Lue and and Sammy Sosa right all all these guys Carlos Zambrano, um Steve Bartman right the guy who who uh, reached out over the stands in that very very historic game and I want to say the two thousand six yeah, NLCS, but so that's who I remember uh, Dusty Baker as, right? Who are you guys going to remember him or, or, or what team are you guys going to associate with him?
1: No, I would definitely agree. I think I think earlier Dusty Baker, like managerial career, um, you know, even as his time as a player, I think if you ask me 10, 20 years from now about Dusty Baker, the first thing that will come to mind is that time with the Giants and the Cubs as a manager, like early on. Not saying that his runs, you know, with the Reds and Nationals and, and the Astros, obviously, because you're, you're going to remember the, the the championship run with, with Houston at in, at some point. But like you mentioned, there were just so many iconic names and kind of seems like key moments in the sport of baseball, right? Like at a moment where probably the sport was a lot more popular in the eyes of a lot of people. So definitely a lot of those moments stand out more.
2: I hate to say it, but I'm going to remember from pulling Russ Ortiz in, in the World Series against the the Angels as a Giants fan. Um and for me, I'm going to remember as the guy who always got so close until he really had like the overpowering talent that he had with the Astros. I hate to say it, but that, that's what baseball is about. But I'm also going to remember a guy who won everywhere he went, regardless of the talent that was around him. You know, in 2002, the only real guy, well, Jeff Kent, but I just hate Jeff Kent, so I'll never give him props. Fuck that guy. Uh, but, I mean, the guys that he had were not the guys you think of taking you to a World Series outside of Bonds. And we saw what happened to Bonds in that World Series. He didn't get shit to hit except for one pitch from Troy Percival. And when he hit it, you got Tim Salmon saying that's the farthest ball I've ever seen hit, which Tim Salmon hit some bombs especially in that stadium. So him to say that, but to bring it back to Dusty, um I'm, I will remember it's the Giants, but luckily I'm going to remember as an Astros manager as a guy a calming force exactly what Dusty Baker is, a guy that you put into a clubhouse and just brings everybody to this level of let's go win some games, let's win today, let's win tomorrow and just keep winning and work towards that ultimate goal. And that's who Dusty Baker was. So that's how I'll finally remember him, but uh, it's going to be tough to get past the uh the bad decisions at the end of the two thousand two World Series.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think look, Dusty Baker is one of those, one of those people who I wouldn't say he accomplished a whole bunch, right? Like I wouldn't say he's like a really well accomplished manager or well accomplished player, but he's just someone who's been a really important person in the game for the better part of like four decades. You know what I mean? So you know, because of that, I mean, he'll he'll be in the hall in some fashion. Um, don't know whether it be player, coach, might just be as a person in the hall of fame i don't know if they do that but um they they definitely should for dusty from all right so from one manager retiree to one manager transition which look we we call them by we specifically i mean rob rob called this a long time ago um i think it definitely makes a lot of sense and that news is bob melvin uh, was basically (laughs) the padre said yeah we're good guy guy. go please go do anything else get the fuck away from our team um, and the team that hired him is the Giants. So the official uh, manager for the San Francisco Giants next year will be Bob Melvin. Um, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, so we don't have to go too much into it, but, like, you know, w- w- what are your thoughts now that it finally happened?
1: Um, yeah, it, like I said, it it on my end, it was one of the most expected moves of the offseason. Um, like I mentioned last week, I think it just makes sense on both sides I think Bob Melvin, as a manager, a team like the Giants, makes a lot more sense. It's like a souped up version of the Oakland As, um, like those Oakland As postseason runs teams. You know, I think he has a better chance of, of having the, that type of talent on the San Francisco Giants currently and the type of moves that they're willing to make. Um, you know, not saying that the Padres also aren't willing to acquire you know, high-level talent, but I just think that the, that the level of talent that you know and the personalities that the Padres had in that locker room just did not mesh well with Bob Melvin in the two seasons that he was there. I think they both needed a change. Um, and with to be honest with you, with the Padres, I don't know what's going to end up happening too much with them. I'm sure we'll we'll end up hearing as the offseason moves on about some names that stand out. But for the most part, like there, there's no really standout name currently in the market that I personally have them going after. And it would shock me if it didn't just end up being something as simple as an in-house hire like we've seen um for example like Mike Show is on the, is on that um you know in, in the organization um we've heard his name tossed around for other openings before so now that the Padres opening is is right there i could see something as simple as that happening on their end um because i honestly don't know what name jumps out at me at this moment in time
2: yeah i'm saying i don't know who jumps out for the Padres because i'm not sure anybody wants that job with I mean, you've got that much money with that much star personality. You're not even sure you're going to get Juan Soto. There's a lot there. But uh, from the Bob Melvin standpoint, I love this hire for the Giants. I really do. Because I think it's the old school mentality type of manager that you need. Um, you know, uh, to me, it just goes to show they should not have pushed Bruce Bochy out of there. I don't, I'm not saying Bruce Bochy would have done incredibly better than what Gabe Kapler did, giving everything that was going on. But I'm going to say he would have done much better. I mean... He may not have had a 107-win season, but he definitely wouldn't have gone three out of four seasons losing. Um, so this is good because with that front office, and I think Bochy really showed in Texas this year. You have a front office who's very analytically driven, but also will spend some money, which Bruce Bochy wasn't used to on the Giants before. But he can really take those analytics, and he just has a feel for the game. And I think Bob Melvin's the same. He showed it when he was in Oakland. Look, he showed it when he was in Seattle. He's only a few games under 500 with his two years there. And really, the only guys that they had there were Ichiro and Edgar, because your other big names offensively were Brett Boone and Mike Cameron, and your your ace was Jamie Moyer. Like, let's be real on who this guy really had to pitch and to be just 12 games under 500 over two seasons—it's pretty amazing. Going over to the D-backs in 2005 and 2009, only three games under 500. Can you guys name anybody that was on the 2005 to 2009 D-backs? No, nope, probably not. Like, there's not really a lot of good players, and the Giants don't necessarily have a lot of good players right now but they got a shit ton of money. They have fixed the park to not be so pitcher-friendly. It's, it's not hitter-friendly yet, but it is way more neutral. Also, there were a few guys that didn't go to San Francisco because of the weird field dimensions. Having the bullpens on the field literally kept a few guys from going there. So from one standpoint, the Giants have fixed a lot of things that they need to fix to get some of these big-name free agents. And I, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you're a big-name free agent and you're going to sign for $100 million for 10 years, are you going to want to go play for Gabe Kapler or are you going to want to go play for Bob Melvin? Like, this really set them up from a mentality standpoint on what they can get in the future. Also, the main reason I really love it is as good and as much credit as far as Zaidi gets for what he can do from the front office. And don't get me wrong, he is amazing out there. Does he have a championship? No, he doesn't. And he really hasn't had very many coaches that are successful but have also kind of the brass behind them to stand up to Zaidi and be like, hey, man, this is... This is my world. Like, thank you for the product you gave me to put on the field, but now let me put it on the field. And so I think he, Bob Melvin can really come in and showcase, I'm going to maximize this talent, and I've done it with you before, Zaidi. so you can trust me. But if the Giants don't start winning, this might be the end of Zaidi there because he did just sign an extension. But you're absolutely talking about a guy who has not really put the winning product on the field at the end of the year. He's maximizing talent, maybe getting more wins than he should from a mathematical equation. But when it comes down to it, every team is just like the Yankees. It's championship or bust, whether you want to believe it or not. Well, apparently, except for DePoto and the Mariners. But outside of those guys, every team, realistically, if you're going to keep your front office there, is championship or bust. And the Giants are a franchise that goes with consistency. They don't want that change. So I think this really is going to be their last managerial change for a while. And Bob Melvin fits the mold of what the owners, Larry Bear and Mr. Johnson, want, which is a guy who knows baseball. Understands is open to analytics, but also has a feel for the game. They also like former players. I mean, that's why Bruce Bochy did so well there for so long. I believe is because he kind of he checks all the boxes you want out of a manager, and Bob Melvin does too. So, from a Giants fan standpoint, you you almost couldn't be happier. As much as I may have wanted Stephen Vogt, I don't think there's another manager out there realistically that could step into this situation and have the best possibility for winning quickly.
0: Bob Melvin, whether he's great whether he's not great, at the at the end of the day, last year the the what's called Padres were had a ridiculous record when it came to one-run games and extra-inning games. And bl- blame who you want for that. I, I personally blame the manager. There's not much that you can control as a manager. I think when it comes to one-run ball games and late, late-in-game situations, that's really when it's your time to shine if you are going to shine. And obviously, they, they didn't shine. Right? He didn't push those right buttons, or you know, the right calls were made to allow them to succeed, whatever it may be. I think there's a stain on Bob Melvin because of that not not like a big stain, but like he had his faults last year for for why the Padres didn't get as far as they needed to, in my opinion. But at the same time, I always said it. I think he, I thought he was a terrible fit for the Padres. Right, you're giving a man who's used to getting the most out of his minivan. You just gave him a Lamborghini and said, "Good luck, don't, don't break it." And he broke it. Right. Uh, well, I mean, he, he did make the playoffs and he did have a great uh, NLCS the prior year, so you also got, him, got to give him credit for that. When it comes to the Padres, I honestly think they need a big-name former player to go in there and t- t- to really thrive. And um, I- I'll ask you this follow-up question uh, after this, but, you know, you have a bunch of guys in Manny Machado, Francis Jr., Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto is there. These guys are more than players. They're, they're also personalities, right? We know Manny's personality. We know we know Francis Jr.'s personality, right? So Soto. Uh, so... You need someone that's going to be bigger than that. And that's not a lot of things. There's not a lot of people you can bring in that are bigger than that. I personally think a great managerial option for them, and I don't think he does this, but if he did, I'd be all for it, is, is your boy Yachty. I think Yachty would be a great manager for for, the, for that Padres team because he has enough respect in the game as a player and as a mind that those guys, they'll see him as a peer, not just some old dude who's telling them what to do and, and you know, picking direction of the team. And also, I think a dude like Yachty, has enough boss to stand up to a GM like, uh, like like AJ Peller, which apparently is what's kind of needed there. You know, on Bob Melvin's side, look, you go to a place that has the resources, you go to a place that has your philosophies, right? Where it's, I'm gonna to hate to say it, but I don't, I don't think fight um, um Farhad's gonna be you know World Series or bust. I think he's gonna be like, hey, we want to build sustainable success. That's where our path to success is. We want to be, we want to be a, a, a Northern California. Transplant of the Dodgers year where every year we're in it, every year you know, people are talking about us as hey, they're one big free agent signing away. Um, you know, w- we're going to be in a position where we can sign whoever we want because we have that kind of money. That's what we want. If, if I'm if I'm far out IED, I mean, kind of exactly like the Dodgers, that's that's your goal. Um, for for the Giants themselves, I mean, you get stability, seriously. I, I think that that helps a lot. You have a stable coach that's going to come in here. And if you're not trying new things, you're not out here talking about Zumba, right? Like, I assume that Gabe Kapler does, to be honest
2: with you. No, just red meat and lifting weights. That's all he does.
0: Is that what he does? I feel like he's a hipster. I feel like he's one of those guys that goes into, like, hey, guys, we got to wake up at 4 a.m. We dive into this co-tub. We get out. We eat a live animal. We read. Like, I feel like he's one of those people, like, all before 5 a.m.
2: But um, yeah, no, you're right on that. Just I don't think he does the Zoom apart. That that's too whispered. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But
0: my point is, I think it's a better fit as far as stability goes. I don't see Gabe Kapler as a stable person. No, no offense to Gabe Kapler. No, actually, no offense to Gabe Kapler. There's nothing he's done that put you in a position where you should be getting the opportunities you're getting. But here the fuck we are. Um, I, 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 oh, here's the question I was gonna ask you guys actually. I my personal opinion is I don't think they should this isn't whether do you think they will or they won't do you think they should i i personally don't think that the padres should trade juan soto at this
1: point in time
0: what what is your opinion on that
1: uh, they, i think they're at the point where i think they're at the point where they should um simply because like yeah it, it could be some of my personal bias knowing that the yankees would be one of the favorite landing spots for soto but then at the same time it's just knowing that like in any type of soto trade you're still going to get even if you don't get like the max, max, you know, prospect package that you would want, there's still like a floor level package that you're going to get in return for Juan Soto, which is going to net you like some pretty like decent prospects in return, like prospects that are in the top 100 of, of the prospects in the MLB, along with like what you just mentioned. It's not like they don't have a lot of talent already. And like, that's, that's the thing with me. It's just, I don't, I could be wrong. I accept the fact that I could be wrong. My thing is, you have too many pieces. I think one of those big pieces, leaving Xander Bogarts out of the conversation, I think Machado, Tatis Jr. or Soto, one of them needs to move out of the equation for kind of these puzzle pieces to kind of work better than they have been working recently with the talent that they have. They have Jake Cronin work. They have Kim. They have Trent Grisham. They have a lot of these other players. They can go out and acquire more talent as well if they wanted to. Um, You know, Juan Soto is an A. You can go out and acquire more B-level talent to put around that along with the package that you're going to get for Juan Soto. I just think it's time to pull the trigger on it. Again, I don't know if Soto is the right piece to move. I just think you have to move one of those pieces.
2: Yeah, I'm saying. I mean, I think you might even move more than one. Um, there's just too many personalities. And Juan Soto isn't the personality, I don't think. Like, he got shit on the early part of the year. He still in, ended with a 930 OPS. and Yes, it's not his career level, but... I mean a 930 OPS literally plays in every single major league outfield somewhere it just does there's no way you can say it doesn't and then to lead the league and walks again just shows his level of stick I mean he as much as we shit him on the beginning of the year he is that dude he really is he is absolutely one of the best hitters in the game of baseball and I think there's a caveat to here if you can't extend him before this season then you need to trade him before this season because that's going to be his best value and if Look, he's going to get like $30 million this year from arbitration. What the fuck? That's a major league contract. Like, that's not arbitration money anymore. And that's what he's going to get for this year. So if you don't trade him, what are you doing spending one year of $30 million on Juan Soto? You saw what he did last year. And with the way everything went down, you didn't make the playoffs. You're going to have a new manager. So unless you have, I don't know, Yadier Molina with Bruce Bochy mixed together coming in, like, you really don't have a guy that's going to come in and make these personalities mesh. Um, I think the Padres need to fight, figure out which superstar they're going with and then find a way to move on from the rest. Cause there's just too much to your point, Daniel, there's too much personality there. I don't know if it's necessarily ego as in, they think they're better than each other, but they sure as hell aren't getting along. And with the amount of talent that's there, even just between your four guys of Soto Bogarts, Tatis and Machado, like those four talent levels, That right there by itself, you could put, I mean, the three of us could be in the outfield or fill in the positions. You should still be winning 82 games a year at a minimum. They're just that good. So I think they need to move on. But from a just strictly one-off situation, you're going to pay Juan Soto at least $30 million going into this year, $30 million of a contract. Let's just say you're talking him getting $40 million a year. It's only $10 million more. If you can't extend him by the first part of this year, you are absolutely wasting your money. You might as well trade him for whatever package you can get, because what are your chances of extending him after this year or during the middle of the season if you don't beforehand? To me, it just seems like a basic math equation. Either extend him before or trade him and get some prospects. Because to Rob's point, you're going to get some good prospects. It's not what you would have gotten a few years ago, and you're probably not going to match getting back what you gave up to get him from Washington. But you can definitely get a few guys that'll mix in. And if you get these young, high-end prospects, they may be able to play play better with the big personalities that are there as they come up, whereas a one so is going to kind of do his thing and maybe not mesh in so well. So for me, it's, it's really simple. If you can't extend it beforehand, you've got to trade for him. You've got to get what you can out of it and not just sit on it because it didn't work last year. I don't see it working this year with a new manager.
0: See, that that's where my opinion differs a little bit, right? If we're looking at the World Series today, it's the fucking Diamondbacks and the fucking Rangers. Two teams that I would say maybe 1% of the world even had either one of them in the World Series. Right, for me, th- that kind of thing shows me there's no team that's really that far away, right? Like, you know, it, I, I can't think of a outside of maybe like the Royals or like maybe the Nationals. Is there a team that we're like, hey, they're just so far away from from the World Series that it's just not possible? I don't, I don't know, right? um I, I definitely don't think the Padres are are, are that team. Right? I think the Padres, we'd say they're probably closer to a potential World Series and a potential, you know, not even getting close to it. Um, there, there, There's a few points with that, right? Like, you know, you've, you've invested in Juan Soto. You've already invested great capital in him. And I don't necessarily know if you're going to get more for him in the offseason than you would if you, say, do the trade deadline. Because trade deadline, now you have some teams that are, are pressured to get Juan Soto. Where, yeah, they'll have him for less time, But now it's not only about helping their own race; it's also about keeping them away from other potential uh, people. Where right now in the summer, nobody really knows what's gonna happen, right? Like like I mentioned, everyone thinks that they're that they're somewhere. And as we've seen this year, we don't know shit about shit. Um, So if if I was the Padres, I'd keep them first half of the year, see how first half of the year goes, right? If we're in a position where we're contending, then I'll probably keep them, right? If if we're in a position where it's like this year, where it's like, oh fuck, we're not even like on the bubble; we're on the outside of that, then you know. I'm, I'm probably trading away. But like I said, it goes, for me, it kind of goes back to those Bob Melvin numbers where being like 9-30 and 30 in one-run games and, and extra inning games, it's kind of really far away from what normally happens. Most teams are, are closer to 500 than that. So what? The, I think the Padres missed the playoffs by five or six games. They flipped less than half of those and, and they're in the playoffs right now. Right? So, for, I don't know. I just, I just can't see. I just don't. You have such a great lineup together right now. Which yeah, I know the personalities are there, but you have such a great you know great pieces together that I, I feel it'd be a waste not to take that as as far as you can. Um but let's see, what what else happened? we have we have, have Bot getting interviews. It looks like he's gonna the Guardians. Um for for we won't let talk about this either, but the Red Sox hired Craig Breslow, uh former relief pitcher. He's gonna be their chief baseball officer. I don't know what the fuck the Red Sox are building. Doesn't seem like it's to be good. Obviously, I'm probably going to eat those words in a few years, but, like, I feel like there's more question marks there than not. Um, let, let's get let's get to the ending of the, a- the, the CS. So, when we were here last week, we both – all three of us said, yeah, this is going to be a a Philadelphia and Astros World Series rematch from last year. Instead, the world said, fuck you, you're going to get what we give you, and that's going to be a Diamondback World Series against the Texas Rangers. But before we get to that point, man, it ha- – how did you guys enjoy the end of those series? I thought this was it, it, this has been one of the best playoffs the last couple of rounds, right? World Series and 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 um CSs have been some of the best baseball we've had to watch. I think in a long time, even, be, even better than last year. But what would have been your thoughts? What was your thoughts on the ending of these CS series?
1: Yeah, man, I I thought it was great. I think I think it's exactly the type of postseason baseball that we needed to get more eyes on the game, you know, get more people interested, you get more conversation going on social media. Um it's been great to see a lot of elite talent um performing for for all the teams involved, honestly. Um I think, you know, on over on the ALCS side of things, uh seeing the Rangers just like demolish the Astros for those last two games to take those two wins. It, it, like it were there were two games that weren't even close. Um so that was kind of crazy. Um, But I I think, you know, one of the things that stands out to me, um, seeing now that the CSs are over, I think it's it's great to see the perception of so many players change. And even just, you know, the perception of so many players improve as well, just based off of this postseason. Right. Like there's so many names that heading into the offseason are going to go into better standing than they were even maybe just two or three months ago. Right. Corey Seager. Is probably looking even better. Probably, probably at the top of the of the shortstop, you know, rankings uh, come come off time. Adalis Garcia, wow! Like this postseason has been crazy for him. Like having the, you know, the the, the postseason record and, and everything like that. A guy like Catel Marte, eighteen game postseason hitting streak. Um, like another guy that took a step forward, Merrill Kelly, like Gabriel Moreno, like all these names that are just like stepping up and and making their, their self stand out. Um, It's been great to see. It's been great to see. And and even though it was a, you know, it was a World Series that definitely wasn't predicted by a lot of people in terms of, of the matchup. Uh, you know, I think there were two teams that we that a lot of us saw as, as potential in these coming in these coming seasons, maybe not this year or as soon as this year. But one of these teams is guaranteed to be the 2023 World Series champion. So one of these teams is way ahead of schedule. Um, and it, it's been great to see, honestly, from, from a baseball fan standpoint.
2: Yo, I'm so hyped with the way these ended. I mean, it, that is what you want out of any post season, whether it's baseball or not, you want there to be a game seven. You want there to be more of the game you love to watch to be played. And you want everybody to be involved in the reasons for it. I mean, like seriously, I'll, the other thing that's really impressive to me is this is where managers actually earn their money is the post season. And. Guess what? The two best managers won. I, I love me some Dusty Baker, but as I said earlier, he just never seems to get that championship. Guess who always does? Big-headed Bruce Bochy. Man, has never lost an elimination game, never lost a game seven. And there's just, you can tell with this team, when he rose the, when he rose the ALCS title, like the team, everybody on the team just got around him. They were, every single person was there for Bruce Bochy. And after only being there for a year, It just goes to show you what kind of influence he has on a team and how he can improve everyone around him. And, you know, the Astros had that for Dusty Baker, but it felt like the Rangers had that a little bit more for Bruce Bochy. It really felt like, you know, we've talked about it so many times. And at this point, you really can't sing the praise of Bruce Bochy enough. I mean, he's the only manager ever to take three different teams to a World Series. Um, He might be the only, you know, he's going to be one of a few managers who takes two different teams to a World Series championship if he wins this year um but it was just fun to see the excitement and honestly it was fun to watch two teams in the rangers and the diamondbacks go out and play their fucking game who cares what the sheets say who cares what the stats say who cares what everybody says you have a game you have a way of winning baseball games and for the rangers it's all offense that's what it is don't get me wrong they got great pitching and that helps out a shit ton but there was something different in those last 3 in those last two to three games from the Rangers, they looked like when, you know, Martin Maldonado said, don't wake up the Astros. looks like the Rangers said, what do you mean? Who who doesn't need to be woken up? Let's show you what waking up is. And the way they just started hitting the ball, running the bases, and the offense that came out of that lineup, especially with Elise Garcia, it was a different level. Same thing with the Diamondbacks. I mean, if you go through their series, they lost three of the four games that they had zero steals, and they won all three games that they had a steal. But the last two games are the ones where the Diamondbacks really just went overboard and said, like, no, we're actually better than the Phillies. And they did that with five steals and four steals. They started playing their game. They ran the bases. They put the pressure on the pitching staff. And look what happened. You have Aaron Nolan giving up some runs, and he wasn't doing that this postseason. They got to him in the way they should have, which is their game, which is running. Run the bases, whether it's steals, taking the extra base, just putting the pressure on the defense. And the Phillies don't have a good defense. and We've said that many times. So. It was just fun to watch a couple teams play their game and win with their game. And it was really fun to watch a couple managers who were just better. I mean, Torrey Lovello, hats off to you, sir. You've been there before as far as one of the top managers in the game. And I've never really thought that you really were that good. No, nope, you proved me absolutely wrong that I've seen you in the playoffs. You are a good manager. Anything you've earned along the way, you really have earned on your own. And this is what postseason baseball is all about. Managers making the right decisions, putting the right guys in the right spot at the right time. And teams that want to win, play the how however you got there, play that way. That's why you got there. Don't change in the postseason. But man, this was fun to watch. There was, I mean, there was just a shit ton of excitement in both sides of the ball. And ultimately, the best team did win both series. They they really did. I mean, the Astros and the Rangers were close, and we were kind of back and forth. Yes, we all picked the Astros, but the Rangers are the best team right now. And between the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks, overall, when you look at every aspect of the game, including the managers, the Diamondbacks are the better team. So I think the best team won both series, and it was really fun to watch at the end of it, for sure.
0: It was good. It, it, it was great, man. Look, I, I don't – this Texas team has probably been the most exciting offense we've seen on this stage in a long time, where it's – best line of the last few years is probably – you have to say it's probably the Houston Astros. This offense that we saw from Texas, from from the Rangers, has been so much better than anything we've seen in the last uh, you know few uh, what's it called World Series runs from any team. It's you know it's been a coming out party for a lot of these guys. Look, Adalas Garcia, he he went from someone who we don't talk about to now people are saying, oh, this guy's on steroids. You know how well you have to perform to go from nobody knows you to now you're using performance enhancing drugs. That's an incru- that, that, that's incredible. You know, I mean, even even for us last year, I remember when I remember this very clearly when we were talking about who was going to be our like top twenty outfielders. But Dallas Garcia was like a bubble guy for us. He was a guy who was like, hey, look, he's he's probably around somewhere between eighteen and twenty two. I, I think we we put in guys like um called Randy Rosalina in front of him, right? We we we
1: put guys like um I'm trying to think. To, to be fair – To be fair, because I I looked at the, I don't remember the exact list, but I looked at it like uh, a couple days ago. um, And like, if you look, if you still think off the top of your head, right, Mm. is the Dallas Garcia top 10 outfielder giving a preview right now? No, No. the top 10 is still just like such an elite group that the way you would have to perform to break through that group is just on another level. Top 15, potentially, because if you look at the back end now, like, the tier from like eleven to fifteen last year were those fringe guys like your Byron Buxton's, your Michael yeah. Harris, uh, your Michael Harris, um, your um, Cedric Mullins, you know. And then once you get to the even towards the end of that sixteen twenty, it's like your Brian Reynolds, your Starling Martez. Now when you get to that bottom half of like your Ian Haps, your uh Dalton Varsho was our number twenty. I would obviously take Adonis Garcia, you know, like yeah. it's just like so. I would say he for sure cracks that top twenty, but it's gonna be interesting to see where he lands. It, I mean, look,
0: my my point with that just is this guy, like, he, he's not a nobody, but he's he's shown out to 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 an extent that I don't think any of us thought he was gonna shot like this, right? Like, he's always had a he's had he's great range in the outfield, right? Former center fielder, now he's kind of out, he's in right field, right? On Leo Sparrow is a better center fielder, so why the fuck not? Um, but like he he had he had some pop, we knew that. We knew he had, he, had, he had good speed. We knew that. So there's nothing about what he's doing that I think it's like surprising. It's just holy shit. Like he really turned it the fuck on right now, right? And then you look around for the rest of that team. Nate Lowe, he's performing. Corey Seeger, which, you know, we'll talk about the World Series right now if it's happening, but one of the best moments in, in the history of baseball, I'll put it on right now, right? That homer to tie the game, take that shit into extras. Um, that That's a home run that we should never forget, right? It, We'll go up there in the historic moments with with Bob with Met, with Bob Gibson and and you know any of the the Jeter home runs right like it it, it is what it is right Aaron Boone's up there right like th- that is one of those moments which is incredible I mean I mean game game two kind of sucked but that's that's, 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 that's that's we'll talk about that when we talk about that um, on Diamondback side look if there's a team that is just the most I don't give a fuck what you have to say we're just gonna do what we do. It, kind of team, that's the Diamondbacks. There's there's no way that you can logically tell me that they belong on this stage at this time. You know you can't tell me they had the best pitching staff. You can't tell me they had the best defense. You can't tell me they had the best lineup. They had good amounts of everything, but there's not one part of the Diamondbacks game that you're like, this is why they're winning. right? If they have nothing to do that They're great. They have, a, they have a good defense. I think the closest thing they have is a great defense. But outside of that, there's nothing that you're like, this this team is winning because of this. Their guys are just showing up at the right time when things need to happen. The people who need to do them are, are, are just doing them um, from top down. Even when you have – you had, like, a quiet postseason run from, like, um, was named uh, Lourdes Gurriel. But other guys have been stepping up, right? I think this is the most talked about Gabriel Moreno all year, where the moment he's put out there. Yo, Ketel Mate- M- Marte has an 18-game hitting streak in the playoffs. That's fucking insane. That's legitimately fucking insane. How do you – you know how do you go into a playoff series thinking that's gonna happen? You just you just don't. But you know what we do know? We know Kato Morte is an MVP type hitter, or at least we've thought of him, as, we've talked about him as a guy who we can see potentially winning an MVP. Does this mean he can potentially win an MVP? No, it just means that his talent level is this is what his talent level is, right? He can he can be this good for an extended amount of time. Um. So so I, I just love it, man. So obviously you know World Series were two games in, series tied one one, game one is gonna be one of those story games put it on espn classic right fucking now i don't even know if that's the channel anymore but you know if it is i just got you some content um game two was a fucking blowout by arizona so now it's kind of boring we don't have to talk about that too much but i mean R- world series man what, what do you guys think is gonna, like wh- how are you guys viewing this world series right like what what's it gonna be like for you
1: yeah man dude it's it's a lot of like there's a lot of different narratives that you can look at because honestly like I would say that both teams are early right now. Like this was, this was definitely not a matchup that I was expecting for either team. But at the same time, like I've mentioned before, the most important hire this year is going to end up being Bruce Bochy. If you ask me right now, right, like, and I could be, end up being completely wrong. Who am I picking in this World Series? I'm picking the Texas Rangers to beat the Diamondbacks. Why? Because of Bruce Bochy. Because, of, because he has that managerial experience. He has those championship rings. He's been in these types of situations before, you know, and managing like these types of teams where you have like good, you know, level talent that you can, you know, rock with. You know, you can make an argument. This has probably been one of the most talented teams that Bruce Bochy has has managed this year with the Texas Rangers. And, you know, him, I keep going back to him being the most important hire because I genuinely do not think the Texas Rangers, no, no shade to their roster, but I do not think the Texas Rangers are here this year today if Bruce Bochy is not their manager. If anyone else is their manager right now, like I don't think I don't think they're here. I honestly do not think they're here. Yes, they they it turned out to to be a good job for them to get rid of John Daniels and and you know go on with with Chris Young as as their executive. You know, and we know that they got their new stadium and they're they're making these big investments and they dropped the five hundred million on Corey Seager and and Marcus Simeon, who for all the shit that I talked about, right? Like Corey Seager again. Corey Seager's talent has never been questioned. That has never been the question it's always been health, right? Like Corey Seager is kind of like, um, like we talked about last uh, last week a little bit, um, like on that Giancarlo Stanton conversation, right? Where the talent's not the question. It's, are you going to be healthy for the season to put up the stats that we know that you can put up? Now, Corey Seager might've taken another gear with this postseason here, but you know, he's always been kind of like that guy who's been Oh, like Corey Seager's on that bottom end of like top five shortstop. He's top six shortstop. Now he's genuinely in that conversation for top shortstop in the game. Kind of what we've all been expecting from him. So it, it's been great to see to see on, on that. End. And then on the Diamondbacks, end, like you mentioned, man, don't try to sit here and explain to me how they're winning these games. They're just winning baseball games like that. That's genuinely all it is. Like it. it honestly feels like if you're just like strolling the park. And you just, like, happen to see, like, a, like, high school baseball game. Like, and you're just like, oh, like, kids playing baseball. Like, it's just like, oh, like, a normal game. Like, that's honestly how it feels. Don't try to explain too much of, like, how it's just happening. It's just happening. That, I don't, I don't even want to, I said it earlier, but I don't want to try to in- insult them by say that it's a Cinderella run. But that's, like, honestly what it feels like. Because, again, Corbin Carroll, like, yes, we know that you're going to continue to build through Corbin Carroll, but, like. Damn, like everything just seems to be happening so fast for them. And it and it's crazy to be here because I don't want to insult them. And and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but like even though I see them having a um a like positive future ahead, right? Like if you look at the team that they have now, if you look at the prospects that they have coming up in like a Jordan Lawler or a Drew Jones, right? Like they they have a bright future, but like. I feel like the Diamondbacks at this moment in time are kind of like win this title because this might be the best shot you have. Like, I don't know. They just don't give me the same vibe as like a Rangers squad does, where I could see the Rangers back in another World Series in the next five seasons. I don't know if I have that same feeling for the Diamondbacks, especially with who their blockades are going to be. Like, yes, we had this season go down the way that it did. But again, you have to realize like the Diamondbacks every season, have to go in with, we have to face a Dodgers team. We have to face a Braves team. We have to face a Phillies team. Like on most given seasons, right? We have to face a Cardinals team that usually is going to be better than them. Now come post time, we've kind of seen a shift where it's kind of like, hey, as long as you make the postseason, you have a fighting chance. Like you can, you can win the title. So like, I guess that's also a different argument, but it's kind of crazy, man. I honestly don't know. I, the best description for, for, for the, the Texas Rangers is they're a little bit early, but I can understand how they're here. And the best description for what the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing is, damn.
2: No, exactly. And I, I mean, the World Series, definitely so far, look, my biggest takeaway so far after two games is when it comes to postseason baseball, Corey Seager is that dude. He is that dude. And the expression, the yell that he hit, that he made as soon as he hit that home run, Wow, that is a poster moment if I've ever seen one in any sport. That shit lives on. That goes straight to the Hall of Fame. Like that is what that moment is. Especially if the Rangers, Rangers end up winning it. Um, and I mean, to Rob's point, like, yeah, you could say they're both early. You can, but you also can't say that they're not that they're just out of nowhere. They're both early to the success they thought we were gonna they were gonna have. Especially the Rangers. And if they win this World Series, man, that half a million or that half a billion that was spent on Simeon and Seeger already paid for itself. Everything else is literally just icing. They've already done what they were supposed to do by by winning with those two contracts. And they are look they look like they're more in a sustainable you know, sustainable process for the for the future. But with the Diamondbacks, yeah, they're early, but I wouldn't say, you know, it's a surprise. It's not a Cinderella story, it's a magical story. And you're right, we can't predict or we can't say this is why they're winning games. The only thing I can say is it looks like they all have really short fucking memories because Corbin Carroll was like replaceable in the first five games of the lcs after hitting 300 in the divisional series and then game six and seven you're like oh wait 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 guys i'm my bad my bad i'm corbin carroll i'm sorry i forgot let me go and do some corbin carroll shit and he goes out and does corbin carroll shit and they win two games decisively and he's already doing corbin carroll shit here in the first two games he's hitting 300 again he's got some steals he's playing great defense but you have not only short memories you have a lot of guys that don't seem like they're too small for the moment you have guys that to rob's point they're playing a high school baseball game on a Saturday they're just out there fucking having fun you could tell Marte is having fun hitting in 18 straight games don't get me wrong you're gonna have fun when you do that but he's actually enjoying every single step of it Gabriel Moreno might be the most stoic young catcher I've ever seen after Buster Posey like it's almost as if nothing gets to him too much and he's like yeah I've seen this before so what are we so upset about let's just go out and do this shit Merrill Kelly what the fuck was last night just absolutely shoving up the Rangers ass who came back later in the game the night before and said, no, we're the Rangers. This is our offense. Merrill Kelly said, Zach Gallen's not our number one guy. It's like he got us here and he was really good in the first half, but I'm actually your number one. I am an ace pitcher, and I want the entire world to see it. They've got Loris Guriel stepping up with some major RBIs. They just have so many different players that are stepping up when somebody is needed and they don't care if it's them or not. They're having fun with each other being successful. Alec Thomas, some absolute memorable home runs and some amazing defense. I mean, if you're going to push Corbin Carroll off of center field, you better make some fucking plays. And that's exactly what Alec Thomas is doing. This is, so far, this is fun. This, this is the World Series matchup we didn't know we wanted. is really what it comes down to because there's so many storylines. It's so much fun to watch. And it's even better when you can't say why they're doing it. Like, if the Braves were here, what are you going to say? Well, they score more runs than everybody than they have all year. They pitch better than everybody than they have all year. Their bullpen struck out more guys than everybody, and they have all year. Cool, so they've done it. But with this, you get to watch the Diamondbacks and try to figure out how they're doing it, and then you just can't. Way more fun type of baseball to watch, especially coming down to it. And to both of you guys' points, this leads to so many more teams being right there and available for a playoff-slash-World Series run next year. You, We might get a sub-500 team, make it to the playoffs, but if they have that team mentality and they have the right manager and they have the right attitude going into it, Like, who gives a shit what our regular season record is? We can go ahead and run this shit? Man, it makes it a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch.
0: Dude, I mean, if there's one thing that we take away from, um, like, the team building part of this, it's there really is no one way to do it, Uh, honestly. I think if if a lot of teams, if you have the wrong people in place and you try doing it the Diamondbacks way, you fail miserably. Because we've seen that. You know who did that really recently? The White Sox. Think about it. That was the White Sox. You had uh, young guys coming up that have immense amount of potential. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I think Luis Robert or Louis Robert is there any less talented than Corbin Carroll, right? I, I think they're both kind of right there. Honestly, Corbin Carroll's been on an amazing run this year. But, I, you know, I wouldn't say one's way worse than the other, right? And then if you look around the rest of that team and, and how it was built, you know, you, you have pieces that the White Sox had that look very close to what the Diamondbacks are rocking with right now. I mean, I, I would argue that I probably had more faith in, in a White Sox team than I do in this current Diamondbacks team, the way it was constructed, at least. But look where we are. Like, they're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. And we've seen teams do what the Rangers did, where, look, let's be honest, the Rangers spent up, right? Like, like the Rangers spent up. And a team like the Rangers, you can compare it to a team like the Padres, right? Because know who who do the who do the Rangers have in-house that's contributing their best player this year was probably Josh Young well guess what Padres had Fernandez Jr. who I think if we were to really combine it Fernandez Jr. probably outperforms anyone who who um the Rangers brought up naturally right Some i go to free agent signings Corey Seeger, Manny Machado Marcus Simeon Alexander Bogart right like it's very similar. They 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 had pitchers that they invested in, right? Blake Snell, um, you know, uh, Nathan Nate and 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 the Graham, who obviously we're not seeing. But you know, you can't sit here and tell me there's only one way to build a successful team. Uh, it's just not the case, especially with with these expanded playoffs. We're looking at it so that if you get in on the 162, there's there's really nothing that should hold you back from winning the World Series. Or, or nothing that on its face should hold you back, right? Like we saw, we saw how terrible the Marlins were this, this postseason. Are we gonna say that if they come back next postseason, they're not—they have no chance? I, I don't think we can say that. I don't even say that about most teams right now, you know. Like a team, a team like the Diamondbacks may, makes me think, shit, maybe the Reds have a legit chance next year of doing some big things. Um, you know, maybe a team like the Pirates really is just one Paul Skeens start away. Or, 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 you know, pitching rotation slot away from being a wildcard team. I, I I don't know. It, it's kind of insane, um, which is some of the good things about extending the playoffs, right? A lot more teams are competitive. It's also one of those things that, you know, it's going to be a lot hard, harder to have a dynasty. That's just, just to face it. When you have more people in the playoffs and more options, it's going to be way harder to build a dynasty. I, you know, it, I don't, you know, we, we talked about last week. I don't think the, I don't think the Astros are a dynasty. I think especially after this year we can't call them that. We, we it's just they're just be an insult to the word dynasty. But they're very good. I don't know if there's the possibility of a team to be that good anymore, right? Um with free agency and the playoffs and so yeah, man, but it's going to be it's going to be a good World series. When we talk next week, it'll be over and we're going to be going over the World series and what happened uh as well as uh some off-season awards cuz award seasons like literally right around the corner. Uh, but is there anything you guys want to end off with we get out of here?
1: No, man. Um, you know, I, I was just listening to what you were saying. Um, I would just say that, you know, th- this World Series is definitely showing, like, to your point, um, in terms of winning. There, there are multiple ways to do it. Because um, I was looking, right, and look, you're looking at a Texas Rangers team who ranks top 10 in payroll. You're looking at a Diamondbacks team who ranks bottom seven in payroll in the MLB, right? Um, I think from the, from the Ranger side of things, it's, I think they're showing, it's definitely good to, to show, you know, investing your team, definitely go out and sign a star player like a Corey Seager that definitely helps go out and get the, you know, experienced high level manager, um, from the diamondback side of things. And, and like you mentioned, you know, the Marlins, cause they're in that same conversation, they're kind of changing the, the, the post conversation in a way, because that's the, that's the little bit of dangerous thing that I see in terms of, you know, kind of the rapid back to like our, our initial conversation when we were talking about like the Bob Melvin hire, right? Bob Melvin and, and Nick brought it up. Bob Melvin and uh, Farhan are, are essentially now on the same level extension up to 2026, three year. You have a three year window. I don't know if that necessarily means, like you said, that you have to win a title in those three years. It's more of just get us to the postseason, build a consistent winner that has a chance to win a world series because honestly, you look, you said the term World Series or bust earlier. I don't know what that means anymore. Like, honestly, I don't know what that means anymore because it's just like, yo, like the Diamondbacks, Marlins, all these teams are showing, hey, if we build a team that's good enough to get in into that 83-85 win window, get that sixth seed into the postseason, we have a fighting chance. Like, that's all we have to build. That's what we have to get to to be seen as like a and you know a good a good contending team like we're a consistent playoff type of team so i don't know man the the, the change in the conversation is going to be interesting in these coming seasons um and like you mentioned as well i think i think the postseason conversation is going to be interesting because we had 12 teams in there this year right look at the teams that didn't make it that we don't know how they're going to come out this next season the yankees the mets the cardinals the padres the Cubs, the Guardians, the Mariners, like teams that have been in that conversation recently as well. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be another another fun year, honestly, after this World Series.
2: Only thing I want to leave off on is how Jose Altuve absolutely stamped his postseason amazingness, dominance, success, all that stuff. I mean, that home run in a game that didn't matter and for him to just drop the bat, and walk, I mean, that was a bomb. Look, Jose Altuve deserves all the respect that anybody can give him. I don't give a shit what you care, what you think about what happened in 2017. And even if you think he used the trash cans, no matter how much proof shows that he didn't like, this is a bad man when it comes to postseason baseball. And after a couple more seasons, he might be the greatest postseason hitter we've ever seen. He's getting into that conversation and the hate for the Astros has really overshadowed what he deserves to be talked about, which is one of the greats in the postseason of all time. And he's doing it on every level. He's doing it with average, he's doing it with runs, he's doing it with stolen bases, He's doing it with home runs like he is every single category you could possibly want to put on that baseball field. He is the guy in the postseason and it I he just put his head down and ran, but it really was like, Yeah, I'm that dude. And even though we lost this, just just remember, like, I am pretty good at what I do.
0: Man, it, it it's tough. I, I kinda wanna build a little bit off what of what Rob was saying. The fact that there's no longer that like World Series or bust kind of attitude. And because the fact that, you know, you mentioned a lot of teams that thought they'd be in the playoffs this year weren't. I have I have a lot less um overreaction over a team missing the playoffs now than i did maybe three years ago right so you know our team is the yankees our yankees came up short we're a 10 game difference from being in the playoffs maybe less than that right if maybe five or seven more games go our way we're in the playoffs because how much did we miss it by like six games i think
1: when it was uh, awesome, I, I think it was. I think it was only a couple games. Yeah, I think because we finished with eighty-two wins, so I think it was just like a in in the AL. I think it was about five-ish games or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like five-ish games. That is that is so doable for any team, right? And it's not just the Yankees. This is, this is any team. Five games, really. it's the flip of the coin, right? Like you know, just like the Padres. Like right? the Padres had so many games that they were in, they just didn't finish. It's just so close right now that I just can't imagine any team saying, we're going to punt and, and we're going to use this to build, right? And some teams have to. But that's not every team. So a team that, that has money to spend should be spending it. It should be on the brink of it every every year. But, but I mean, I'm just looking forward to, to see how, how this thing wraps up this year. Because it's been great. I just hope for for a great World Series. You know, I'm, I'm wishing for Game 7s. <laughs> I'm hoping that, that we get the most out of out of the series like we did the CSs. The CSs did not disappoint whatsoever, man. I'm, I'm I'm super glad we got to witness that as a sport. Uh but yeah, man, we will we'll will catch you guys next week. Uh obviously we we know nothing, so we will not give any predictions. Talk to you guys later.